Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you this morning. Good to be here together on this Lord's Day to worship God and to encourage each other and be in fellowship with each other. Get your Bible out, please, this morning. Make your way over to your Old Testament, to the book of Ecclesiastes. I invite you this morning to Ecclesiastes, the 11th chapter. Please make your way over to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. We're going to allow that text to really kind of serve as the basis for everything we're going to be talking about in this first sermon this morning. Hands to the plow. Hands to the plow. That is our theme this year as a congregation of God's people. Hands to the plow. The language of this theme is actually biblical. It actually comes from the words of Jesus himself. In Luke chapter 9 and verse number 62, with this theme, our elders, our shepherds, our bishops, they're trying to move us forward. They're trying to bring us back to center. They're trying to move us past being absorbed in a time of pandemic and chaos and, and other distracting things in our society and keep us focused on what really matters in life, and that is God. That is Jesus and the work of Jesus. You see, no matter what goes on in our culture and in our society, the work of Jesus must still get done. The work of Jesus must still get accomplished. It must get accomplished by elders and by deacons and by gospel preachers and Bible class teachers and seasoned disciples and married couples and even, even, even young people. Even teenagers, even kids who are disciples and also part of the kingdom of God. I think we really need to emphasize that particular group of people because I got to tell you that out of all of the different demographics that make up a local church, young people or young disciples are often the most overlooked. They are often the most undervalued and underestimated and underappreciated. You see, so often when it comes to the young disciples who are part of a local church, they're not really viewed like that. They're not really viewed as disciples. They're not really viewed as, as being part of the kingdom of God. They're not really viewed as being part of the church of today. Instead, they're often viewed as the church of tomorrow. They're often viewed as the church of the future. So often we say that when it comes to young disciples in the church, their time to do kingdom work, it's going to be later on. It's going to be down the line. It's going to be once they get married and have some kids or at least once they turn 20 or 30 years old. Those are usually the kind of expectations that we place upon young disciples. The question, though, is... Are those the kinds of expectations that God has for them? Are those the kind of expectations that Jesus has for them? Does Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords and head of the church, does he expect young disciples to wait a while before getting involved in kingdom work? Or does he have high, higher expectations for them? Are you in Ecclesiastes chapter 11? I want to study with you from Ecclesiastes chapter 11 
and Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Since it is the third Sunday of the month, and at least once a month, we like to do a lesson that is primarily targeted at encouraging our young people and trying to equip them in their, in their service to God. I want to do that right here and right now this morning, and I want to base this lesson entirely from what Solomon has to say to young people right here in these two chapters. In these two chapters, Solomon has some things to say to young people and about why they need to be focused and motivated to do kingdom work right now and put their hands to the plow. And so let's read what Solomon has to say in Ecclesiastes 11 and in verse number 9. In verse 9, he says, rejoice. Notice the word rejoice, not be sad. Rejoice, young man, during your childhood, and let your heart be pleasant during the days of your young manhood, and follow the impulses of your heart and the desires of your eyes, yet know that God will bring you to judgment for all these things. So remove grief and anger from your heart and put away pain from your body because childhood and the prime of life are fleeting. Remember also your creator and the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near when you will say, I have no delight in them before the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain in the day that the watchmen of the house tremble and the mighty men stoop, the grinding ones stand idle because they're few and those who look through windows grow dim. And the doors on the street are shut as the sound of the grinding mill is low. And one will arise at the sound of a bird. And all the daughters of song will sing softly. Furthermore, men are afraid of a high place and of terrors on the road. The almond tree blossoms. The grasshopper drags himself along and the caper berry is ineffective. For man goes to his eternal home while mourners go about in the streets. Remember him before the silver cord is broken. And the golden bowl is crushed, the pitcher by the well is shattered, and the wheel at the cistern is crushed. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. For us to really be able to get the most out of what Solomon is saying there in those verses, we need to pause for a moment or two and just rehearse the background for the book of Ecclesiastes. What is this book all about? What is the book of Ecclesiastes all about? Well, as we saw in our Bible reading of this book from last year, the book of Ecclesiastes is about a journey, right? It is about a quest. It is about a quest taken by Solomon, the wise man Solomon, to find meaning and purpose in life. Solomon wants to find meaning to life, happiness in life, purpose in life. In fact, in these verses we just read, we actually find Solomon reaching the end of that quest. Here in these verses, Solomon tells us that after experiencing every kind of earthly pleasure that a man can experience in this life, what he discovered is that true meaning and purpose in life is really only found in one place, and that is God. That is serving God, fearing God and keeping his commandments, putting God first, first place in your life, even, even in the days of your youth. 
You see, we got to understand that this book, Ecclesiastes, is a book that is first and foremost for young people. This is a book that is first and foremost for young people. This is a book designed to help them avoid wasting their years doing the wrong kinds of things and to start right now trying to do the right kinds of things according to the wisdom being given through Solomon by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The wise man says that when it comes to young people, they need to start serving God right now and putting their hands to the plow because number one, well, number one, God commands it. God commands it. God commands young people to start serving him as soon as they can. He doesn't want them to procrastinate about this. He doesn't want them to put this off to another time. He doesn't want them to treat serving him like they treat studying for a test that they really don't want to take. Or like they treat deciding on when exactly they're going to get their driver's license or like they treat deciding on which college they're going to attend. No, Solomon says that God wants young people to do this right now. Serve God now. He wants them to remember their creator and the days of their youth. Young people, listen carefully. When the Bible says remember your creator in the days of your youth, it doesn't mean start remembering him tomorrow. It doesn't mean start remembering him when you turn 40 or 50 or 60 or 70. If you're blessed to live that long, it doesn't, it doesn't mean start remembering him once you finally get that degree. Or once you finally get married and have some kids, it doesn't mean use your youth to send it up and do whatever you want to do and then finally start serving God in the later phases of your life. Solomon actually tried that plan and he regretted it. That's what the whole book of Ecclesiastes is about. Solomon regretted putting off serving the Lord. Here, young people, listen carefully. When the Bible says, remember your creator and the days of your youth, it means what it says. It means right now. It means today. It means you need to understand that even right now, today, God can use you to do wonderful things for his glory. He can use you like he used Joseph. We just got finished studying the book of Genesis in one of our Bible classes. Remember, Joseph was only a teenager. When he determined to be faithful to God, even though he was far away from his family as a slave in Egypt. Remember Mary, the mother of Jesus. The consensus among most scholars is that Mary was probably between 13 and 17 years old when she was chosen by God to give birth to Jesus. As a teenager, she had faith in the promise God made her, that she would give birth to the Messiah through supernatural means. And then remember Daniel, as a teenager, was faithful to God while a slave in Babylon. And remember King David was a young person when he went out to fight the Philistine giant Goliath. And remember Josiah was a young 16-year-old king when he started leading the people of Judah back to serving God. And how old was Jesus in Luke chapter 2 when he was about his father's business? Was Jesus 30, 20? 
Well, according to Luke chapter 2, when his parents found him in the temple among the religious teachers, he was 12. He was 12 years old when he said, I have to be about my father's business. What I just want you to see is throughout the Bible, throughout the scriptures, we find numerous examples of young people who remembered God in the days of, your, of their youth and who served God in the days of their youth. In fact, not only did these people remember God in the days of their youth and serve God in the days of their youth, but they also impacted people's lives in a very powerful way. They also did some amazing things for the cause of God. They were able to be, able to be used by God to do some things that few other people could do. These people teach us they're just like seasoned followers of God. Young followers of God can also have great faith and courage and zeal and trust and a willingness to do what is right. The Bible says that God commands, he commands young people to start serving him right now, in fact, beyond commanding this and demanding this, God also gives them some motivation. He gives them some motivation. He tells us that there are some advantages to serving God in the days of one's youth. Now, this is something that we usually don't like to talk about with our young people, but I think we need to talk about it. You see, usually when it comes to young people, particularly teenagers, People in junior high and high school, when it comes to them wanting to serve God, what we like to do as adults so often is we like to emphasize to them just how hard it is for them to do that. We like to emphasize how hard it is to serve God in the days of one's youth. We like to emphasize how due to immaturity and lack of deep Bible knowledge and experience, it is difficult for a young person to overcome things like peer pressure and temptation and living in a world that is becoming more and more corrupt and wicked than the world we lived in 30 or 40 or 50 years ago. We like to emphasize how today in their time they're dealing with fiercer, fiercer challenges with atheism and gender identity and drugs and alcohol and of course sexual immorality we usually have no problem emphasizing and scaring to death our young people when it comes to serving God. We usually have a problem talking about all the disadvantages that come with trying to serve God in the days of one's youth. And while many of those disadvantages are true, I want you to notice how here in Ecclesiastes, Solomon doesn't deal with that. Solomon doesn't take an entire chapter here in Ecclesiastes to talk about all the disadvantages that are attached to serving God in the days of one's youth. Instead, in these two chapters, what Solomon talks about are the advantages. He says that there are many advantages to serving God right now as a young person and not waiting to do it later on in life. In fact, one of the main advantages that he mentions in this text is health, is good health and strength and energy. He emphasizes the good health and the strength and the energy that is often lost 
as a person gets older in life. That's what Solomon says, not Sean. That's what Solomon says there in that text. And I think that's something we really need to appreciate. I know that's not something we really like talking about at times, but it's what the Bible is saying. I think we need to appreciate how according to what the Bible says, according to what Solomon says, a man who is older and probably towards the end of his life when he writes this book, Solomon says that aging is hard. Getting older is hard. That's what he means in verse number one of chapter 12 when he talks about the evil days there. Do you see that? When Solomon talks about the evil days there, we need to understand that he's not talking about days of wickedness. He's not talking about days of unrighteousness and, and sin. Instead, when he talks about the evil days there, he's talking about the difficulties that come with getting older in life. He's talking about aging. He is saying that the days when one gets older in life can often not be as delightful and joyous as the days of one's youth. Why? Well, according to what Solomon says in that context, it's because of physical limitations. Physical limitations. Look at the text with me. Verse 2. In verse 2, he talks about the sun. And the light and the moon and the stars being darkened. What is he talking about there? Well, that is figurative language he is using to talk about bad eyesight. You can't see. In verse number three, he talks about the body trembling and bending over and even your teeth falling out. In verse number four, he talks about how the doors on the street are shut as the sound of the grinding mill is low. That language there is figurative language referring to no longer being able to hear. He talks about being nervous to the point of rising up to the sound of a bird and avoiding traveling on the road because you're afraid. You're afraid that you might fall. Again, while I know it is difficult, it can be difficult to read what Solomon is saying there. It is reality. It is the word of God. It's the reality of life. Here Solomon is revealing a reality about life that young people really need to take to heart. He is saying that while getting older has many advantages attached to it, advantages like gaining wisdom. And Bible knowledge and life experience, it also has some disadvantages. It also has attached to it some physical limitations. Health declines. Strength declines. Energy, eyesight, hearing, stamina. Solomon says that the declines, decline in these kinds of things makes aging very hard. And that is why young people need to start serving God right now. That is why they need to do it today. They don't need to wait. They don't need to put plowing the field and putting their hands to the plow off to another time. God wants young people to use the energy they have today to serve him. Use the health you have today to serve him. Use the vigor, use the excitement, use the strength that most of you have today to serve the Lord 
Solomon wants young people to understand that if they are blessed to keep on living, if they're blessed to live several more decades, one day this health and this strength and this zeal, this good energy that they have, it's going to be gone. It's not going to last forever. In Ecclesiastes 11 and verse 10, Solomon says that the prime of life is fleeting. It's going away. And so, young people, you need to rejoice in the days of your youth. Be happy that you're young. And use the advantages you have as a young person right now to serve God and to do his will. Otherwise, you may be blessed to get older and look back on your life and regret that you didn't use the good health that you had to do the most important thing in the world. That's what Solomon says there in that text. He says that young people need to get to work right now. In fact, let's talk a little bit about that. Let's close by talking about the work. Let's talk about what young people can do. Let's talk about some practical things that young disciples can do right now to put their hands to the plow. And let's go beyond the basic stuff that we talk about so much. Let's go beyond the public worship stuff that we usually put on this list, the things like leading singing and giving a talk on Wednesday night and passing out collection baskets. Don't get me wrong, that stuff is important. That stuff is necessary. That stuff is part of kingdom work that we need to be training and encouraging our young men who are disciples to do. But there is so much more beyond getting up here in front of the curtain, in front of the church, that, that, that young people can do. You know, so often we limit service to what you do behind the pulpit, to what you do in front of the curtain. No, there's so much more that young people can do besides lead a prayer and give a talk and lead some singing. For example, young people, according to what the scripture says, young people can be involved in the work of, the work of shining, the, the work of being an example in an unrighteous and unholy world. We need young people to do that. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 16, Jesus said, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. Jesus says, shine your light if you're a disciple. We need to be encouraging our young people to do that. We need to help them understand that that is a very important work that they can do every single day beyond getting up here on Sunday in the pulpit and leading some singing and giving a talk on Wednesday night. In fact, listen to what Paul had to say about this in 1 Timothy chapter 4. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 12. In 1 Timothy 4 and verse 12, Paul told Timothy, let no one, let no one look down on your youthfulness. Now, why would Paul tell Timothy that? Well, he would tell him that because he knew that people, even in the church, would be quick to do that. They would be quick to look down on Timothy because he was a young man. And Paul says, don't let no one look down on you for your youthfulness. Don't get discouraged when people start turning their nose up at you because you are a young disciple. But rather, in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example of those who believe. What is Paul talking about there? Well, there, Paul is making the very point 
that we've been trying to emphasize all morning, and that is we don't need to underestimate and undervalue and underappreciate the impact that young people can have in the kingdom of God. We don't need to sell these people short. We don't need to make them believe that the time for them to start Serving the Lord is way off in the future. Instead, we need to help them understand that they can make a difference right now. They can start serving God right now. Right now, they can stand up for holiness and godliness. Right now, they can be an example when it comes to righteous speech and love and faith and conduct. Right now, they can maintain their sexual purity. Right now, they can do what is right, even though the vast majority of people around them are doing what is wrong. Paul says that young people need to be involved in the work of shining. They need to be involved in the work of being an example in an unholy and wicked world, and they also need to be involved in the work of evangelism. The work of evangelism. Matthew 28 and verse 19, Jesus said to his disciples, go in all the world and make disciples of the nations. When Jesus gives that commandment there, he's not putting an age requirement on that. He is not saying that the work of evangelism is only for seasoned disciples or preachers or elders. No, Jesus says that all disciples, even young disciples, need to be involved in evangelism. We need to be encouraging our young people to invite their friends and their classmates and their teammates to worship services and Bible classes and youth devotionals and even to our summer Bible series. Our young people can do that kind of stuff. In fact, over the past 16 or 17 years since I've been full-time preaching, I have seen numerous teenagers be used by God to convert lost souls. I've seen it over and over again. And young disciples can do that here. They can be involved in evangelism. And they can also be involved in encouraging. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 14, Paul says some things about what disciples can do. And that would even include young disciples. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 14, according to Paul, young disciples can encourage the faint-hearted. And they can help the weak. They can use a Saturday. To put the video game down for a little bit and go make calls and go and visit sick and homebound disciples. They can use a Saturday to make hospital and nursing home visits. They can write cards to grieving Christians. They can encourage elderly disciples in a way that few others can. In fact, beyond encouraging elderly disciples, young people can also encourage each other. They can also sharpen each other and motivate each other to stay faithful to God in this dark and sinful world. They can encourage each other in their Bible classes and in these youth devotionals when they just show up and ask questions and make comments. They can also do this by using those cell phones that the vast majority of them have to check on each other during the week, to text each other during the week and see how each other is doing spiritually and even pray for each other every day because they're all facing a very fierce battle with the devil. Young people can do that kind of stuff. 
They can be involved in the work of encouraging. Let's also add one more thing. Let's add the work of discovering. Go in your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 4, please. In 1 Peter, the fourth chapter, Peter has some important things to say to disciples, to Christians. And in 1 Peter, the fourth chapter, in verse number 12, or verse number 10, I'm sorry, excuse me, 1 Peter chapter 4, in verse number 10, there Peter says, as each one, as each one notice, has received a special gift, implore it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Notice how there in those passages, Peter is saying that when it comes to Christians, when it comes to kingdom citizens, disciples, every one of us, I don't care who we are, every one of us has a gift or, or, or gifts that God has given us. We all have talents that we've been blessed with by God to use for service in the kingdom of God. Seasoned disciples have these talents and so do Younger disciples, every disciple has a gift or some gifts that can be used in the kingdom of God. And young people, you need to start right now trying to discover and figure out what your gifts are. You need to be starting right now, right now, trying to figure out and discover what talent or talents God has given you to serve in the kingdom. In fact, as your parents, we can help you with that. We should be helping you with that. Above anything else, above helping you develop your talent in music or in academics or sports, above anything else, as your parents, we should be helping you figure out what your talent is to do the most important thing that you could ever do in your life, the thing that really matters, and that's serve God. We should be creating opportunities for you to start serving God. We should be bringing you along with us when we're having Bible studies with lost people. We should be bringing you with us when we make hospital visits and nursing home visits. If we have young boys who are disciples, we should be encouraging those young boys to lead prayers during those visits. If we have young girls who are Christians, we should be encouraging them right now to think about becoming Bible class teachers. For all the mothers in the room, encourage your daughters right now to think about becoming a Bible class teacher. Start training them right now to become a Bible class teacher. Help them understand that just because they can't stand behind the pulpit and preach a sermon, that doesn't mean they can't teach. That doesn't mean that God doesn't want them to teach. God wants them to teach. They can teach other women and children, right? The point is, whether you are older or younger, male or female, if you're a disciple, God wants you to serve him right now. God wants you to be involved right now. God wants you to understand that if you have been baptized for the remission of your sins, you are a 100% Christian. You are a 100% disciple. You are not the church of tomorrow. No, you're the church of today. You're the church of right here and right now. And that's how you need to start viewing yourself. 
Solomon tells young people, remember your creator. In the days of your youth, don't make the mistake of putting off serving God to another time because you're not guaranteed to live to be a certain age. You're guaranteed today, this moment right now, but nothing beyond this moment. And so use the health and strength you have today to get your hands to the plow. In fact, going back to Ecclesiastes one more time, remember those last two verses in the chapter, verse 13 of Ecclesiastes 12, the conclusion, as, as Solomon reaches the end of his quest, the conclusion when all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments. Because this applies to every person. This is the whole duty of man, for God will bring every act of judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. While the first half of this chapter is designed to motivate young people to serve God, notice how these last two verses of the chapter are designed to motivate us all to serve God. They're designed to help us all understand that above anything we could pursue in our lives, the main thing we need to be pursuing is God. We need to be pursuing fearing God and keeping his commandments. And so if that's something you've not been doing and you need to start, you have an opportunity right here and right now today. Today you have an opportunity to obey the gospel through faith and repentance and baptism. You have an opportunity today, if you're not part of God's kingdom, to be added to that kingdom, to be added to that church and to join us here as we work together in the cause of God. And so if we can help you with that in any way at all, we're going to invite you to come to the front right now as we stand and we sing.